0: Hello, and welcome to the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. Each episode, we talk about a particular topic in the life of a professor. We are tenure track faculty members in the sciences working at a primarily undergraduate university in California. The purpose of our podcast is reflection, so we bring something we think is working and something we're working on to discuss. Welcome to the Professor Podcast with Ruth and Claire. I'm Claire. And I'm Ruth. And
1: today we are going to answer some listener mail questions. But before we do that, Claire, tell me
0: about your week. My week has been good. I've started reading this book, Ooh. which um, is called The End of Stress. Uh, large, Man, large. large It's <laughs> speaking uh, right to me, for sure. Yeah, no, it's speaking to me like, like essentialism did uh, back in the day. Um, it's by Don Joseph Goway. Uh, the subtitle is Four Steps to Rewire Your Brain. Oh man. Um, my brain so needs rewiring <laughs> if I yeah. stress. But... And so the and I'm really it's really speaking to my soul, which I think is a phrase you used about essentialism. Which is um yeah, it's really I mean, he's thinking about how it's practice and as you practice your brain gets rewired and then it's easier to keep doing the things that lead yeah. to the not stress. So anyway, I'm I'm super into it. And one thing that I've been doing that's kind of related is um I've been thinking about the less stressful approaches to things. Like, for Mm. example, um, on Friday, I was like, okay, I have to prepare for class and I have to grade this exam. And it was like, well, if I a a normal way that I might think about this historically would be, well, I'll grade the exam until I have the remaining amount of time left to prepare for class Mm -hmm. that um, I think would be a reasonable amount of time to prepare for class. And that will ensure that I spend the maximum amount of time grading possible, which is probably good for efficiency and all that, but it's not very good for stress. For Mm -mm. stress, it's much better to say, let me just prepare for class, finish preparing for class, and then spend the remaining amount of time grading. So anyway, that's been nice.
1: Um, That's awesome. And I'm super, I I definitely want to borrow this book for sure. But um, I'm thinking about, because sometimes too, like there is a little bit in society We sort of like competitively stress. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And just this sort of, oh, man, like I was working until this like and it's almost like, you know, I think we've talked about at times just even our approach to work and maybe the fact that pre pandemic craziness, like I generally didn't work on the weekends and then feeling a bit like ashamed about that like should i be working because everyone else is talking about it but there is this idea that you should be so stressed and if you're Mm -hmm. not stressed it's because you're not doing it right you must not be working
0: hard enough yeah
1: exactly right and it's such a yeah it's not
0: yeah and one of the great things you know early on in this book they're talking about if you're in flow state and you're like really getting things done and you're super creative, that that's not stressed and that's very productive. In fact, it's probably the height of productivity. So they're actually not connected the way that we often think they are. So, yeah.
1: Well, and sometimes I only measure like how much I must be working by how stressed I am. Mm -hmm. Like, and sometimes I'm like, like when you're in that flow state and you get a whole ton done, and then you're like, "Whoa, did I really do that? Because it didn't feel like I was working, because right. exactly. I wasn't like on the brink of a nervous breakdown. <laughs> so then it's not you're not totally. working hard enough. So that's yeah. super interesting.
0: So anyway, I'm I'm enjoying that. I'm yes. intrigued. So what about you? How was your week?
1: My week was okay, and you know, I think I've had something that's been just like niggling at me this week. And maybe this is a future episode suggestion, Ooh, but okay. I had a very rude interaction with a student. Mm. And I was, yeah, I've been really thinking a lot about it and what to do about that sort of thing. And I think I've had a lot of interactions with students in the past that were accidentally rude. <laughs> you know, They don't mean to be. And you're right. like, oh, yeah, that was actually super rude. But it's fine. But this was a little different. So I don't know. I think I definitely... It's a struggle sometimes to think about how much of yourself you can have in those interactions and how much i think the whole thing was i just ended up smiling and nodding Mm -hmm. and i sort of wish i stood up for myself a bit more but i don't know what that would look like exactly and so it's just niggling at me a little bit where i'm like like it's just still a little irritating
0: and there's some balance between like what's the professional way to respond and also as an instructor
1: right because we're the grown-ups right right so you can't just be
0: like training them to mm-hmm. go off into society so yes what what's the balance there um uh, that's a yeah. very so interesting I think,
1: topic yeah i think maybe i don't even know how to get the scope of like just interacting with students is too broad maybe but like <laughs> something about those times when you have problematic interactions that you're like it's
0: like learning opportunities the... that aren't academic or something
1: Maybe. Right. Yeah. So definitely. So that was a little, but, yeah. you know, otherwise good. good
0: okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll that's, that's a very interesting topic. We'll think about.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it's tricky. It's so clear if you were teaching little kids. Because, right. But sometimes, too, some of the people you're interacting with are age senior to you. But mm-hmm. like you're still in this position of power. But like how much could you kind of exert like, Hey, no, thank you. Or I I don't know. It's just tricky, 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 tricky. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think Um, you can certainly say this is not professional in the academic setting or something mm because you are the expert in the academic setting. But yeah, I know that. Yeah. To, to be thought about more for sure.
1: Yeah. And I think I'm having um, a little bit of that thing that comes up for me a lot where like, Sometimes students maybe don't take me as seriously. Mm. And then, you know, but then I've had these really nice emails this week from students who were like, oh, I was so scared of physics. And I really appreciate oh, that. Like you're great. So I'm like, that is what I'm actually trying to access. And I should just right. appreciate that and not kind of like, you're not going to catch everybody with the same net. Or is right. that even a phrase? I don't even... I think just oh, I like that out, phrase. But,
0: That's a good yeah, phrase. <laughs> so, like, yeah, you're yeah. not going to catch everybody with the same net. And it's kind of like we've talked about, you you can only do it one way and so you should do it the way that works that you think is the way to do it that's congruent with you and i right. think um, yeah it's gonna catch some people but not everybody and that's that's okay
1: yeah yeah so it's, a, it's definitely food for thought for sure yeah but um yeah do you ever like it's just one of those things where like you know when you revisit the interaction in your head you're like what if i'd said this uh-huh. what if i'd said that and, like it's just like yeah yeah
0: yep, yep. no i know what you mean yeah yeah Totally. And it's definitely good practice to think about. I mean, not to ruminate forever, but maybe you will have a better response next time because you have thought about what the best response is, you know? Yeah, totally. And I think, again, maybe this could come under our
1: interactions, problematic interactions episode or something. But years and years ago, I had it like a frightening interaction with a student mm. that was, they were extremely frustrated about something And I really didn't know what to do. And I thought about it and talked to a lot of people. And it turned out other people had similar things. And you can just say, oh, I'm happy to meet with you in the center office with the chair of the department there. And like kind of having that sort of in your pocket, like Mm -hmm. has always I haven't had a situation like that come up again. But knowing kind of how I would handle it if it did come up is definitely reassuring. So totally. Yeah. Yeah. So great. anyway, tell me, have you got a quote for us this week?
0: I do. And it's from this book, The End of Stress. Oh, and, sweet. And um, it says, a change of attitude that changes your experience literally changes your brain structure. Dead. So just back to the idea of actually it gets easier as you practice it because your brain gets rewired with uh, those new pathways. So. You know, it's
1: so I think I've I shared on here before that I learned to drive pretty late life oh I don't remember that but late in life sounds like when I was 75 but I was like in my 30s um is when I learned to drive and it was right before I was gonna have first baby oh and so I feel like I was very aware of the learning to drive process and how I remember being like how do people do this and talk at the same time Uh like this is so it's taking every fiber of my being to concentrate and now of course you know I can talk and sometimes yell at the kids or like change the cd or you know that makes it sound like i'm a dangerous driver but you know you can do all those things one
0: thing yeah Mm -hmm. right and
1: so it is true and i kind of feel like that when i'm talking to students about learning physics too that like at some point it does change your brain structure right and you can just totally stuff so totally maybe there's hope if we can learn to drive we can learn to be less stressed i love it that's a (laughs) good i like that yeah you've got good phrases going today (laughs) Just busting them out <laughs> all over the place today. Okay, so tell us what are we doing today?
0: So we are doing listener mail. Um we have a few questions from um listeners that people have sent in. Um and if you are listening and have a question, feel free to send it in for a future listener mail episode. We um, love emails. We, we love emails. It is very true.
1: Um not from students, but yes, no, we do. not <laughs> like, from We are podcasts. even more excited <laughs> yeah. about
0: your emails than we are yeah. about our students. Um yes. We're very okay. excited about your email. So will you read us the first question, Ruth?
1: Yeah, and so the first question we have is from Stefan and he says lots of lovely things in the email about the podcast. And then his question is, um, how do you plan as a professor or engage with goals? And it says, I mean, what is your relationship to long-term goals? Those that have a deadline, tenure file, or ones that are more amorphous, like becoming a better researcher? How do you track progress or adjust plans? And what is your social or individual... Sorry, it, what it, it, what of this is social and individual and in what ways? So I'm super interested to hear what you have to say about this, Clara.
0: I have so many thoughts about this. And I love that is awesome. how many different... There's so many different aspects to this question. So I, I love this question. Um, I think my main answer to it right now is that lately I've been trying to pick intentionally and not try to do everything at once. So I think my big, mm-hmm. <laughs> my one word answer is intentionality. Mm. Um, so yeah, if I'm focusing on making headway on a paper, then maybe that's not the month or semester to revise my homework assignments. Um, so yeah, picking intentionally rather than getting swept away by feeling I have to do it all at once because that is just going to make me overwhelmed. Yes. Um, about longer-term goals, I like to think about things like, what would be steps now that are going to be really helpful for this longer goal? Like, if there's this proposal I want to submit next summer, then would it be really great to have this paper submitted now? And so, therefore, should I make submitting this paper a high priority? Um and if I can't make the paper a high priority now, then that's good to know to adjust plans for this proposal, or maybe I really need to make that a high priority now, so how can I adjust other things and make that happen? So I, I don't know. Those were kind of things I was thinking about. Um, and one other thought I had was... Um, If I really want to make a change in the class, I find putting it on the syllabus is very effective because then I'm definitely going to do it when it comes up in the syllabus. That's terrifying.
1: (laughs) That's exactly why I don't do that because I'm like, then everyone will know I failed. (laughs) Well, I
0: I know. But so it comes back to intentionality because it's completely not a good idea for me to put something on the syllabus that's not actually a high priority for me to do because then I'm going to be stuck either changing Mm -hmm. it or doing a lower priority thing just because I put it on the syllabus. So it's for me, it all comes back to intentionality and remembering that doing things I don't want to do is actually bad. I should do the things I want to do. Um, Yeah. So it comes back to my other favorite book of Essentialism by Greg McCohen and just doing the things you want to do intentionally by cutting the other things. Yeah. What about you? What do you think?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, when I got this um, question, I was like, well, this doesn't apply to me because I don't have any goals for this (laughs) because everything's just, you know. But then I think in a way, I think actually this semester I did have a goal and like the goal was like trying to stay afloat, you know what I mean? Or like maybe keeping the kids sane and somehow Mm -hmm. adapting to this homeschool situation. And yeah, so I think I actually did have like in this semester... It's been like a triage of like, OK, what can I do in work mm-hmm. and what can I just like let fall aside so that Ooh, I can focus yes. on staying, you know, sane. But I think in other terms, so like I really like the aspect of the question about, um, you know, having a buddy because that's mm-hmm. been super helpful for me is working with you with the tenure stuff. And totally. I genuinely think I might not have submitted this year if we hadn't kind of made it. Well, I mean, the whole making it public on the podcast thing, was <laughs> that kind of, that's like putting it on your syllabus, right? Like It is. Of, yeah. But I think also just our thing of sort of, even previous to this, we would sort of, when we had tenure, not tenure files, but the review files too, we would sort of set deadlines for each other. And that was really helpful. That was super helpful. And so I think, yeah, for me, some of my best goal stuff is trying to corral future Ruth. into doing things so being like like I think I was you know like say writing the grant Mm -hmm. and being like I am going to schedule a meeting with the grant person Mm. to review this in three weeks so then I know that I have to do what I mean and so so breaking
0: it into smaller chunks kind of that are definitely on the calendar because you're meeting with somebody else right like setting exactly or
1: like just having that accountability of Mm -hmm. I have scheduled that this is going to happen at this point so because I I really don't do well with sort of undefined, sort of longer term things. I think totally. I have to, it's like catch myself out seems more negative than I mean it, but you know what I mean? Just sort of have things set up to sort of yeah. force my hand a little bit and be like, oh, I am meeting with so and so tomorrow. I better have a draft of this written. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think that is one way that I approach it. And I think in grad school, I used to have a buddy who we would meet and we would make goals. And we had Mm -hmm. short-term, long-term, and personal goals. And so that Mm -hmm. was always our thing. Nice. I love it. Yeah, at the moment, me and Eric have been doing a thing of new moon goals, which I don't even know how we made that up. But we made it up that we would pick things that we would try to do for a month. Okay. And so we kind of just pick
0: them and have, like, whatever it is. And then see if that was something you want to keep doing or or, yeah yeah, give it a real shot because it's only
1: a month it's like not super and those are more like just random Mm -hmm. like he's like meditating in the morning totally you know so not necessarily i love that stuff but yeah and it's a long enough
0: time that you can see the impacts but not so long that it's intimidating you know right and usually what happens for
1: me is the thing that falls away after two weeks is just not a thing I was super interested in doing. Right. But then, other stuff has stayed in there. So mm-hmm. yeah, so it's been cool. But yeah, goals, man.
0: You know, an- uh, yeah, another thought. So about the amorphous goals, like improve at being a researcher, that kind of thing. Um, I think it helps to try to get them more specific. Like yes, yeah. What is a specific research goal that you want to accomplish that would move? i mean obviously all the research goals that you're accomplishing are moving you towards being a better researcher so trying to get them to be more specific
1: Um, like what does it
0: mean to be a better researcher yeah totally i had that with like feeling like my research
1: group was just sort of plodding along Mm -hmm. and then one semester i was like okay i'm really gonna make this better but Mm -hmm. my specific thing was Something I had done before is like when other things were happening, I would cancel those meetings mm-hmm. because other more. And I was like, I'm never canceling any of these meetings. That mm-hmm. was like Ooh, my specific it. thing that I think made that turn. Like, yeah. So I really oh, like, what you're, like if you have nebulous things trying to crystallize them into something.
0: Yeah. 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 Love it. Cool. All right. So the next question is from Mossy. Grading a group assignment where single grade goes to a bunch of students. How do you deal with the contribution of each person? And um, Dude, but, yeah, I know. This is
1: why I'm terrified of group work. This is
0: it. <laughs> so, yeah. So what, 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 what do you do with this?
1: Well, so that's the thing. I have been, I've avoided group work like the plague because of kind of issues like this or what do you do with terrible groups or what do you do with, you know, and there's this class that I've co-taught with you and co-taught with somebody else and they had a group work project that really worked well, and they used this thing called CatMe, which, which is called I have categorize. Not used. That me.
0: sounds awesome. Okay, yeah, tell me about it.
1: And I think it all comes from I think in our school in the engineering department, there is um, they do a lot of group work, so they seem to have a lot of this stuff dialed in. So the CatMe thing is one where, and I'm not sure if you have to buy it. So that's something I don't know, but. There probably is other versions of it. But it's something, first of all, where you take students and they have to fill in things like what kinds of times a day do you like to meet or when are you free? And so it will kind of group students based on that. And I think there is other parameters you can put in. Yeah. So like sometimes in groups, there's often concern about like you certainly don't want to have minoritized students outnumbered in the mm-hmm. group. So if it's a class where like there's not a lot of girls having like three guys and a girl is not a good group dynamic to have. Or, you know, whatever things you want to put in, it will make the groups for you. Mm -hmm. And so that's all well and good. But then at a certain point, they get this survey about each other and they have to evaluate each other's sort of contributions. Mm -hmm. And then we met with the groups and went through those responses, which I thought was going to be the worst thing. (laughs) I was like literally bright red for the entire interactions but it actually ended up being really good and so we met with them went through the stuff and there was never a case where someone was like that's a lie i did everything. usually people were like i really dropped the ball and then the other people were like hey it's okay we can work this out and like they kind of yeah so it was cool and but there was some aspect of their grade was based on those things so the way the project had been set up was there's some things that they all got credit for Mm -hmm. and it was weighted based on the kind of survey of each other Mm -hmm. and then there was at least one aspect that they had to hand in by themselves
0: i see so if
1: someone had been a complete freeloader it was quite clear Uh uh-huh so their contribution to the main project was going to be reduced anyway Mm -hmm. and then their if they handed in a rubbish single part of the project they weren't going to get even a C anyway, so I see. it wasn't... Yeah, so that's that, cool. does that make any sense? I feel that like I a of very sense. convoluted way,
0: but... And I, I'd heard yeah. a tiny bit about CatMe, but not very much. I'm really glad to have heard that full description of it. Um, and that's interesting, because I've done a similar thing where I have some parts of the project be group and some individual, and so, like, you know, maybe they do a group presentation, but they do individual papers, and so it that gets sounds... distributed a little bit.
1: Right. And then you're kind of getting rid of the freeloader effect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And my my I really like that through what you're talking about, it's kind of training how to be in a group, you know, so having that discussion and saying, oh, it's okay that you dropped the ball. We'll figure out a new system. And then hopefully they do figure out a new system. I mean, those are all real life skills for group work. So what do you do?
1: What have you done in the past when you have someone who's just a total no show? do you i guess one thing i wonder about is it kind of shows up for them in their grade Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but then the other people in the group
0: right because they're kind of
1: impacted by not having Mm -hmm. like maybe i think the one experience i've had with that like we definitely graded that person's like that group's work less deeply than we would have if they'd had three people
0: Mm -hmm. sure yeah I don't really have a good system for that. I mean, one thing that I like to think about is that so many things in life are group projects, where it's the yeah. product that matters, like co-teaching a class or a collaborative research or something like that. So I don't really mind setting up a similar scenario in the classroom because I'm giving people the practice of working with other people, even if they're difficult people. Yeah. Um, so I don't really mind them having the experience of somebody dropping the ball in their group but I see the idea of should I I like the idea of maybe saying oh I know that so-and-so dropped the ball so I'm not going to require that you have quite as high a level of depth or something because you had to scramble to make up for them yeah I don't know that that's interesting yeah I think one thing
1: I would love to do which I can't do but I would love to sort of Empower people to be able to call each other in, or you know what I mean, and be mm-hmm. like, "Hey, you know," and it's such a tricky thing.
0: I well, think, it seems like you did that with this group dynamic, right? Well, that was you... yeah, it was. I, <laughs> so I'm like, I wish there was a way and then I'm like, oh, there
1: is a way, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, because it is. I think without a script, it's very hard for students totally. to maybe advocate for themselves to say. Yeah. Please do your work. and
0: Well, it's hard yeah. for, I mean, come on. I mean, I would find that hard too. It's even oh, yeah. with lots of group work practice, that's a very hard thing. So I like formalizing it so that they can practice going through that. Um, and it gives the people who did slack off a chance of redeeming themselves, which is awesome. Right. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it really
1: was people just you know, and I've been there too, where sometimes something just kind of gets away
0: from you and Mm -hmm. then you're like, I
1: can't even fix this. Like there's no way to kind of put this right. And so.
0: But now it's a moment to re-establish a new plan and try again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I think one of the key things from what you're saying too is having portions that are individual grades Mm -hmm. and group grades rather than everybody just gets the same.
0: Yeah. I like that. Cool. That
1: is a great question, though, Nancy, and that is part of my dread about group work. (laughs) It's just that.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah.
1: Okay. And I think the last question we're going to have time for today is from Michael, and it is about, in your classrooms, how do you address the historic and current impact of systemic racism within science in general and or your particular fields? And holy moly, is that a big question for physics? Huge question. Yeah. And physics is very much still in that. Like it's like some fields you can be like, oh, historically this and that. And then, you know, but then it all turned around and physics is not one of those fields. It is still very much white male dominated field and yet continues to be for many, many various reasons. So yeah, so do you have thoughts, Claire, or
0: well, first I wanted to say to anyone interested in this topic, if you haven't oh, yet, um, check out our episode thirty-nine, which is an interview with um Moses Rifkin and Johan Tabora, who have this underrepresentation curriculum um that helps guide instructors through having conversations about underrepresentation in the classroom. Um my main approach to answer the question, um is to try to create a setting as an example setting where everyone is welcome and respected and the setting is my classroom. So I don't address the issue directly, like explicitly, but instead my intent is that if I'm successful in making someone feel welcome in this part of the scientific community, maybe they'll feel more confident in belonging in the more broad scientific community. Um, And similarly, I hope that everyone in the classroom becomes used to everyone belonging in this setting, and then might be more likely to perpetuate that culture of um, of belonging and respect more broadly in the community. So I'm trying. That's that's my approach um, to what I specifically do in my classrooms. What about you, Ruth? Well, can I ask you a question? Yeah.
1: Do you think? Because I think I love that, and I love that kind of modeling. That and do you do you think like even internally? without broadcasting it, do you have a little bit more of like an antenna towards students who might not feel like they belong?
0: I do keep do that know? in mind. I, yes, that's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I would be more looking for their questions or contributions, I suppose, if they had, if I had some inclination that they might feel like they didn't yeah. belong, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, dude, I feel like for me, I it's just such a work in progress and every time... I think I've stumbled on an answer it's like oh yeah that wasn't that was not the thing and so I think um I think for me too some of it is definitely a little bit of a journey where when I moved to America I was like how great to move to this post-racial society where this isn't a problem anymore and then you're like oh wait this is not because you know from the outside it's very much conveyed that way and Mm -hmm. moving from a culture which is very homogeneous like Irish and it's much it's getting less so but certainly when I grew up everybody was Irish and everybody was Catholic and you know it sure. was a very homogeneous society and even you know Eric was considered to have a very you know unusual name because his name was Eric and it was not like a biblical name or oh. an Irish name and so anyway it's definitely when I got here I feel like I've been on a very steep curve of trying to learn Mm -hmm. about racial injustice and sort of social justice in general and also specifically in America and in physics and so yeah it's definitely just been a constant thing to address and I what am I trying to say I think one thing that I try and do in the classroom is definitely talk about it and mention that there is this huge disparity in demographics in physics mm-hmm. and we talk about that and it sometimes has gone really really wrong and it's been a complete powder keg and other times i've sort of mentioned things about the patriarchy and then my evals are like she hates all men and she hates white men even more than any other man and like it's definitely gone a bit sideways so i have started on the first day doing a bit of a speech about uh uh-huh. you know you may hear me mention some of these things and it does not mean i'm actually against male people or it does not mean i'm against white people or you know i'm trying to sort of drag some of that out into the open and this year okay i certainly had with my um introduction discussion forum things got kind of hairy politically mm. in a way that i did not anticipate and so on the first day, I said, look, we are not going to talk about politics, but we are going to talk about social justice. Mm-hmm. And our university has had a mandate where we're supposed to sort of do that. Or is that coming or something? Uh, I this think is it's the first dive.
0: Okay. It, so <laughs> I think I there's been that. some
1: discussion about it. So I kind of pretended it was university sanctioned, but I don't know if that's totally a thing. But um, the other way I've tried to illustrate it this year was on my Canvas page, Um each week for the modules, I have had a physicist be, like, there's an image of the physicist. Cool. And then in that week's module, there's, like, a Wikipedia entry about that person. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, like, deliberately said, this is me addressing the fact that we normally just see white male physicists. But sure. I've just sort of done it low key. And some students seem like they read it every week and they read about whoever it is. And so they're into that. So that, and nice. it's funny to me, it's weird because... I feel like I have so many women in that. I was like, God, look at all the women I have, and I actually don't. It's not more than fifty percent, uh, but it's just you're so unused right. to seeing them. It feels like,
0: yeah, you know what I mean. It feels like kind of,
1: yeah. That's I cool. I am. This is the, the water that I swam in for a long yeah. time in physics. Yeah. So,
0: so you're seeing yeah. it in your own perception, but hopefully you're helping your students have a different perception. Yeah,
1: and I think so. I think the things. That I'm trying to do is sort of subtle, I guess, like just having that up there, but not really commenting on it and maybe talking about a little bit that we will talk about that it is white male dominated field. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, you know what that means. And then I think the other things would be more like what you had talked about, where I have an awareness of. Maybe students of color are going to be less likely to shout the answer out. So trying to find other ways Mm -hmm. that they can participate and have their voices heard, Mm -hmm. you know, or whatever it is. So that is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That feels like a really all around answer. Not super (laughs) concise, but (laughs) definitely. I think the main thing I'm doing is just trying to educate myself about how to better support all students. And then maybe acknowledging that it is Going to be more difficult. Mm-hmm. Not more difficult, but it's definitely you're There's less specific visible. Specific challenges. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So hopefully, Michael, I would be super curious to hear your thoughts about it. If you want to follow up, I would love to hear that. And maybe, like Claire mentioned, checking out that episode about the underrepresentation curriculum.
0: Cool. Well, thanks for all these great questions. This has been really interesting, and um, yeah, to. to to michael Stefan, and mossy if you have other questions please send them and to everybody we would love we love emails so we do we love yes. emails <laughs> thanks so much for listening and thanks ruth for this great discussion
1: thanks so much for joining us on the professor podcast with ruth and claire We're delighted to have you as a listener and we would love to hear from you. And if you want to email us, our address is contactprofessorpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any of your suggestions for future shows or professor quotes that you might want to share with us, or even just things that have come up for you when you were listening to previous episodes. And if you've been enjoying the podcast, we would love if you would spread the word. So the best way to spread word is by telling people you know if you think they should listen to it, or you can leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.